win or lose, are we feeling the love this morning? Well, now that we've had time to sleep on it, let's talk about it. It's time for Monday Morning Quarterback on WTMJ Now. Oh, we've had time to sleep on it. Big time sports guy Brandon Snyder joining me in studio. I'm Steve Scafidi. And this is the final edition for this season of Monday Morning Quarterback. How are you feeling on this? Angry. You're angry. You know, still? like the, the, the stages of grief, you yes. know, uh-huh. anger, uh-huh. sadness. Uh-huh. Yesterday was really sad. I my wife thought I my wife thought yesterday she did something wrong. Because mm-hmm. I just didn't I didn't talk to anybody. Even your wife? No. Or the dogs. <laughs> and you're like I used to be twenty years ago. And I just sat, thing. I sat after the game, I sat and I didn't move. I didn't look at anybody. I didn't talk to anybody after that game for about an hour and a half. Cool. And down, then yeah. And then it wasn't so much anger. I was just so defeated by that loss because I just felt like, the, well, I shouldn't say I felt like. They did. They outplayed the best team in the NFL, the Packers, the youngest team this year in the NFL, outplayed the best team in the NFL for 97% of that game. Did you blame the kicker like I did? No. No? No. Why don't, I don't you blame the kicker? Because that you knew what you were getting with Carlson. He's done it all year. I know, but I have one expectation. If that's your job, you, you only play like 30 seconds in a game as a kicker, right? Right. Kickoffs, field goals, extra points. 30 seconds, 45 tops. Sure. Make your, make your damn kicks. Well, I mean, yeah, I could argue that. That, yeah, he should have made the kick. What does that kick do? It's a seven-point game. They would have tied it anyway. Okay, then we would have got then the we, ball back. And who knows if Love would have forced a pass. Yeah, you know, right. We don't know. But I blame... Jordan Love for two errant interceptions. I blame you. Made a great point about that though. In those last what four drives, he was missing a couple offensive lines. Yeah, Rasheed Walker was out, and Zach Tom missed like the last quarter. Yeah, he was he was running for his life. Basically. Yeah, so you know injuries were part of it. I blame Darnell Savage for dropping what should have been a pick six, very Dallas esque. I blame Keyshawn Nixon for dropping what should have been his was even more errant. Uh, the interception that he should have had mm. that would have. Definitely have iced that game, probably. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can blame. I think you blame Carlson, sure. You know, make the kick. It's your one job. You know, conditions weren't great. You know, raining, wet field. But that's a total team loss. They beat themselves. They didn't capitalize anything. And here's the other thing. And I don't want to do this, you know, on this platform because I'm, I'm not blaming this on them. But for next year, Roger Goodell has to figure out the referee situation. Yeah, it's bad. It, it, you cannot spot a ball for the – Matt LaFleur to waste a challenge mm-hmm. because they were off by almost two yards. Like, yeah. it, they don't know how to spot a ball. And if you if you don't want to use their eyes or their judgment, soccer has a wonderful technology figured out with who's offsides right. and, and when they are and put a chip in the ball and figure out what the first down is. Figure that out because, my God, that refereeing was terrible on Saturday. Yeah, not just that game, other games. Yeah. He is Brandon Snyder, big-time sports guy. This is Monday Morning Quarterback. You can join the conversation. Some people have already done that. 855-616-1620, WTMJ Talk and Text Line. Your final thoughts, closing thoughts on what was a surprise season. I want to talk about a little bit about the positive because there are a lot of positives with this team as we uh, approach the offseason. An interesting one for the Packers. Big contract ahead for... Mr. Jordan Love, so maybe some key acquisitions to take this team to the next step, which would be the NFC Championship game, maybe the Super Bowl. Lots of positives. We'll try to focus or refocus big-time sports guy Brandon Snyder on the positive. We'll see if that works or not. That's next in WTMJ. It's Love. Couple fakes going. Wide open in the end zone. It is. Mel 
intercepted. Is he get the feet down? He is. Touchdown. Jordan Love, that was a great throw, great catch. I, I, we're all, I was watching at my daughter's house, we're all like, did he juggle that thing? Yeah, it was like the most uncelebrated oh. touchdown because you're like, wait a minute, did he catch it? Yeah. Were both feet down, did he secure the ball, did he survive the fall? Hey, NFL, fix how what a catch and isn't a catch. And that's number one of on my positives for 2023, 20, uh, I mean, and going looking ahead to this year. Um, Jordan Love, mm-hmm. we know what we have now, and it's not going to make the fans of the Bears or the Vikings or the Lions really happy, but I think we know what we have. Didn't have a great end of his game, but we pointed out earlier that he was missing two of his offensive line, which meant he had to run for his life. (laughs) But Jordan Love had one heck of a, essentially a rookie season, because he didn't really play in the other seasons very much. And he he performed at the highest level. That's what you want from a quarterback. That's a positive for me. Yeah, number two in touchdown passes in the NFL. Who had that? Amazing. Bingo card. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Uh, So, yeah, if you look at the reports from Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, the latest reports, he's all but locking up a deal to extending Green Bay. He cannot sign it till May because he already signed an extension in May of last year, so he can't do two in one year for the same player. So love's not going anywhere. That's definitely a positive. I got two more for you, Steve. Uh, we both agree on love. Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur proved a lot of people wrong this year. When Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers left, I should say when Aaron Rodgers was here and they won three straight years of winning 13 games, everybody was like, yeah, Matt LaFleur, yeah, but he has Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and he's got Devontae Adams. Yeah, but he's got this and that. Not this year. He had a first-year starter, the youngest offense in the NFL since the modern era, the youngest receiver room in the history of the NFL, and they got to nine wins, or they actually got to ten wins if you include that playoff win in Dallas. Um, and they proved a lot of people wrong, and Matt LaFleur proved that he can lead uh, an NFL team and take them to the playoffs, and, and next year they will compete for the NFC North. Um, the Lions can enjoy the moment that they have now. I hope it falls Flat on their face, but you know the Packers are going to are push them for the division next year. And my last one is Brian Gutekunst because he kind of falls into that line with Matt Lafleur. A lot of people said a lot of things about Brian Gutekunst, and man, the 2023 draft class is proving to be massive. And not even the 2023 class, the 2020 class that a lot of people said, "Yeah, oof, that's terrible." What are, what are you taking a quarterback for? You just mentioned who your positive takeaway was. That is the year he selected Jordan Love who is now going to be in line as one of the highest-paid passers in the NFL. And how do I know that's that's a smart take? Is because one by one, all the people that criticize him, all the <laughs> national experts, are now saying, you know what, we are wrong on that. Yeah. The Mike Silvers. Yeah. The he Peter tweeted. King. Yes. I, 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 I tweeted back to him, Michael Silver, who writes, I, it used to be SI, I yeah. don't know where, he, where he's at now, but you know, he basically said, yeah, I was wrong. I was completely wrong about Goody. And Pat McAfee is another one who's come out of, you know, he – had a lot of things to say about him with that trade for Aaron Rodgers, and it proved that you know he Goody put his job on the line, maybe his career, like not to get you know crazy, but maybe if this falls flat on on the Green Bay Packers twenty twenty three year and Jordan Love looked terrible, Goody might not have another job in the NFL. He put his career uh, along with his job on the line, and it proved to be the right choice. And in that twenty twenty three draft class, you're talking about. Lucas Van Ness, who finished fifth in his class in sacks, mm-hmm. had a quietly good year. Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft. I mean, Rasheed Walker was a seventh-round draft pick, and he started at left tackle 99% of the year. Yeah, so. let's let's add the re- the young receiver in, uh, group into the mix. Nobody expected this. No. Peter King, the one the one and only Peter King, who writes every uh, Monday after the, the weekend's football games, mentioned this young receiver's core. This is something that everyone needs to understand. This is a group that is... Very low paid. I think they make less than what the average star yeah. receiver makes. 
as a group, they make less. Seven point five million as a group, and they are signed for a couple <laughs> years here yeah. for the most the most yep. part. Dobbs is, a, is a, the year earlier, but this is a great, great, talented group of receivers with a young quarterback who's shown he can he can hit those receivers in stride and score touchdowns at a high level. That's an exciting thing to look forward to next year. And I know, like, it's easy to you know be upset, be mad, be angry, but you know when you, when all that goes away, Steve. It, it, this season just exceeded everybody's expectations. Nobody had this this happening. I mean, toe-to-toe with the number one team in the NFL, beating Dallas in the manner that they did. I mean, they are – and I and I said this to you during the break. I can confidently say that, you know, that that San Francisco team, I rewatched the game, you know, watched it live, obviously. In no way, shape, or form did they look like the superior team to the Green Bay Packers. No. And that is a team littered – with pro bowlers, all pros, veteran lace guys who have been in the NFC Championship games, have been to Super Bowls, have been to multiple playoff games, and Green Bay did not. And they looked Green Bay looked like the better team, and that's a hat, uh, you know, hat tip to guys like Matt Lafleur, Brian Gutekunst. Here's where you hang your hat: you beat the number two seed in the Cowboys, right? Embarrassed them. Yes, at home. And you almost beat the number one seed at home, yep. and you had the game up until I don't know how many minutes were left in the game when, when on, the on a switched. short week. On a short on week. a short week and a game where you traveled out three thousand miles. Uh, Bill joins us from Racine. Hey, Bill, welcome, to Monday Morning Quarterback. Thank you very much, Brandon. I have a question for you. I, you may agree with me or not, but whenever the Packers have a third down and one, I cringe <laughs> because. They run from the shotgun position. The mesh point is about six yards behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You get no forward motion instead of running from the uh, under center position where the running back actually gets a three-yard three yard head start. The mesh point is three yards closer to the line of scrimmage. Why do they run from the shotgun position on third and one? I cringe. Good question, Bill. Yeah, thanks, thanks for the call. Yeah, Bill, I I don't disagree with you at all. I I do too. I, I think it's I think it's silly. I think it's kind of overthinking, overcomplicating things, just getting in your own head. But I agree. Whatever happened to the old school I formation? Get Deguara in the backfield. I know they don't really have a quote unquote fullback on the roster anymore, but I, I agree with Bill. Don't overcomplicate things, you know. And you saw, you know, they they started doing the the tush push, the love shove with you know the quarterback going under center, um, but. You know, I think at moments on third and one, if you want to take a deep shot, depending on where you are on the field, you know, if you're in the plus territory and you're going to go for it on fourth down, if you don't get it, you know, then I'm okay with that. But yeah, I think I think I'm with Bill. Just don't overthink it. Does Dylan being out do that impact? Yeah, that? probably. I mean, that's. I mean, it does. I mean, that's a blocker. And, and I was trying to talk because my dad and I are watching a game, and we're going back and forth. We're arguing. We're celebrating. We're high fiving. We're yelling. Um, he's a you know. Grounded and pounded. You can't do that to AJ Dill or excuse me, Aaron Jones. He can't. He, he's just not built for twenty five plus right. carries a game. Aaron Jones wasn't a problem. He had five straight one hundred yard games yeah. in the games that mattered, and and he was brilliant on uh, Saturday night as well. Best of his career in, in these last stretch. Yeah, and you know we're talking about the future. Um, Jordan loves the no brainer. Aaron Jones, there's a question whether they'll pay what it's going what it's going to require. I think Aaron Jones wants to be in Green Bay. He loves this town. Loves his team. Mm-hmm. Loves his teammates. I don't think that should be difficult. And other than those two, the other only other big contract that's looming out there is what you do with David Bakhtiari. I mean, he's made a lot of money not playing. Is there a home home team advantage for that? I don't know what his interests are. A lot of people say he's going to go play for New York. He's he's a you know a question mark because he's injured. 
And whether or not a t- another team will take a chance on him, I don't know. But there needs to be protections built into the Packers agreement if they do it with him mm-hmm. to, to say, look, we can't pay $20 million to have you sit there. That's the reality for Packers. That's a tough one. Yeah, and it's you talk about like a Hall of Fame type career, like trajectory. Like that's where Bakhtiari was on. I mean, all pro for so many years. You know, he was looking like he was a sure, you know, Sherlock gold jacket type guy. But man, injuries have really derailed his career. I don't know where. I, I know it's a twenty million twenty million dollar cap hit. If they they're not going to cut him because he's an asset, right. right? You either keep him, you pay him, and you hope that he's healthy. But that I I would imagine Steve in the back of the mind of Brian Gudenkins. Is he ever going to be healthy? It's got to be there. And can you trade him and maybe get an extra second? That round? might be where the value is. They have is. five top 100 picks yeah, this year. They're they have the fourth most draft capital in the NFL, so they might be able to add to it. All right, we've got a great call coming from uh, Florida. Sort of a, uh, a thank you call to us, or a, I'm sorry call, because the, the caller, he said the Packers wouldn't beat the Cowboys, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> and then we're going to answer the Joe Barry question, which is mm-hmm. on people's minds. Big-time sports guy Brandon Snide joining me on the last Monday morning quarterback of this 2023 season. It's love. Far side, throws complete. Caught for the touchdown. Tucker Kraft and the pack back in front. Oh, last few minutes. Oh. He doesn't stink. He's awesome, actually. Jordan Love. I find this offensive. So yeah, I don't know what Charlie's trying to get to here, but... <laughs> Jordan Love, the star quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, he's he's uh, not anything I think we have to worry about. Let's let's get Tex from Florida in for the conversation real quick. Hey, Tex. Good morning. Good yeah, morning. Yeah. I owe you a call from last week. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. They have? were pathetic. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. Cowboys are pathetic. Yeah, Tex is a Cowboys fan. It's, how, it's what? not surprising. It's, it's, I mean, for 30 years, basically. Now it's, that's what I'm used to. Yeah, how did it feel watching that? Lose and they play hard. How did it feel like, like you as a Cowboys fan watching that butt kicking down there a couple of weeks ago? Well, like I said, <laughs> it's not that surprising. Yeah, That's what they do. What do you think I mean, about what do you think about the McCarthy decision to keep them? You're not surprised. What do you think about the McCarthy decision to bring him back? I never, I never liked it when he went there in the first place. <laughs> and I thought for sure. Actually, I texted a friend of mine and I said, "I don't think he's going to be fired by halftime." Yeah, you no. know that next game. Jerry's loyal to that guy, and and uh, you know he's going to get. It's going to be his last chance because if he doesn't win next mm-hmm. year and go really far in the playoffs, playoffs, I don't See think he's going to. I don't think he's going to be around. Thanks for the call, text calling from Florida. Nice of text to kind of own up to the fact that he picked the Cowboys. All right, Joe Barry. Everybody wants to know about Joe Barry, mm-hmm. defensive coordinator, Green Bay Packers. He kind of cranked it up a notch at the uh, the end of the 2023 season. I thought the defense was fine for the most part on uh, on on Saturday. They were great in the Dallas game for the most part until the end of the game, and they got garbage stuff. Do we bring Joe Barry back? No, no. And I agree with you. Uh, since that Carolina game, the defense turned up the notch. Nine. It was Minnesota. You didn't necessarily play. How is that possible? Actually, because they played horribly in the Carolina game. Because you know what happened after that Carolina game? What did Matt Lafleur say? I'm going to be more into the defensive meetings than I ever have before. I wish he would have said that like in week three. Well, I agree. But if you're head coach, this is why I don't think he'll be back. And, and, and credit to Joe Barry. He was definitely not the problem on Saturday. Although, you know, you would like to have seen a stop there at the end. But, you know, nonetheless, it's hard to stop offenses in the NFL, especially one of the best offenses. But I'll say this about, you know, the defense. If your defensive coordinator, if you're, if the head coach has to intervene, then that probably 
tells you everything that you need to know. Since they gave up that comeback from Carolina, I know the Packers won that game. Carolina still hasn't scored. They won't <laughs> score, Steve, until 2024. Right, right. Maybe 20. I mean, they'll score in 2024. But, like, so that, that kind of tells you everything. If the head coach, who's an offensive-minded person, has to leave that meeting room to go and, you know, oversee what he's doing in the defensive meetings and what he's coaching and what he's instructing them, that's probably indicative on what, you know, his future is going to look like. Now, I did think if they got to the NFC Championship game, and I still think they should, they would have beat Detroit. I think they would have beat them by two scores. Hmm. And the text around here says, if I'm not rooting for Detroit, who am I rooting for? Nobody. I hope they all lose. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I think they would have, I think he would have maybe have retained him, but I don't, I don't think. Joe Barry's going to be back. And here's the other thing that I don't think he's going to be back. His contract expires. Yes. So it's not like they have to fire him and then pay him. Yeah. They can just do that, well, mutual agreement, you know, you go your How way. How quickly do you think that's going to happen? Malifor's meeting with the media in an hour from now at 1030. You think he had already announced Lambeau that? Lambeau time. No, it's a, it'll take, you know, because they have to do the exit, you know, meetings with every single right. player. Do you have to do the, that with every player and every coach? Like. They do. It's a respect thing. And why does it have to all be done the first day? Why don't you spread it out over a week? Yeah. Well, off-season plans, probably. I guess. You know what I mean? Probably playing these guys a lot of money. They can stick around for a few days. No, I agree. So they'll they'll probably have their meetings. I would anticipate, Steve, if I had to guess, by Thursday you'll probably know the direction. And Matt LaFour is not the type of guy that's going to come out. Now, last year he did come out in his press conference and said, Joe Barry's not going anywhere. And kind of everybody was like, really? That's this afternoon? Ten, that's an hour from now. All right. So we'll we'll monitor it. Would you please monitor that for us so that you can let will. us know? If, if... I'll, I'll give you a live call in if anything All right, that, yeah, we'll look drastically that. changes while All right. I'm at so, home. So we are going to – we're not going to continue Monday Morning Quarterback on the show, per se, but you and I are going to do a version of it on the podcast side of things next season. So I'm looking forward to that. This is therapy for me. It is. It's good. I'm glad you worked it out. I'm, you know – be extra nice to your wife this week. I'll to talk make, to her today. Yeah, make you know, make sure to make up I'm, for that. I'm, I'm, you know, yesterday was the sad phase. Today's more of the angry phase, and then hopefully Tuesday I'm over it. It's amazing that I'm like the 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 balanced one. I I, I was at a party and you know I was a little upset, but I didn't like demonstrate it in that. I way. wasn't angry, but I was sad. Sad, yeah. Because this now was such angry. a fun team, Steve. Like there were no expectations. And here's everything about it. Like this is also kind of refreshing. We're going to end on a positive note. You don't have to worry about your future of the quarterback. He's going to play in Green yeah, Bay next year. Yeah. You don't have to worry about retirement. You don't have to worry about wanting to go somewhere else. That drama, this should be the first normal offseason we have since when? 2019? Yeah, that's Because the year they drafted Love, it was a mess. Yeah, no, that's you know, good. That's a nice was, way to end it. There yeah. you go. All right, so Positive we're going to relax this, as, as Aaron Rodgers said. R-E-L-A-S. Yeah, all right. Uh, pleasure doing this with you all. It's been a joy. And we'll, like I said, we'll have a different version of it next year, but always enjoy talking Packers Thank with you. the one, the only, Brandon Stein, big-time sports guy. You can hear his work right now on the uh, Wisconsin Morning News show. All right, we'll take a break here. After the break, little Ron. What did what did Trump call him? Ron DeSanctimonious? He's a... Uh, He's gone. He's out of the race. Uh, some thoughts about what this all means in the uh, the race for president. We'll get to that and more on WTMJ now. We'll bring uh, some politics to you in a second here, but I wanted to give uh, Rome a chance. He's calling from Midtown, talking about the uh, Packers. So we'll we'll entertain a little uh, light Packers conversation as we transition here. Hey, Rome. But I wanted to give Rome a chance. Rome, turn your radio down. Rome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, Steve. Uh, thanks for taking my call. First sure. of all, I want to thank you for those uh, mine shaft tickets. I finally got a chance to use those hey! yesterday with my lovely wife. Awesome. Uh, we had a good meal there for brunch. Love it. Um, 
I called in reference to this whole thing with the Packers. Uh, you know, I told you I grew up in Pennsylvania as probably the only Packer fan during the 60s and 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see where everyone's talking about getting rid of uh, Joe Barry. And I'm like, well, for who? Who are we going to get that's better than Joe Barry at this point? That's I think a question. lot of times we spend a lot, waste a lot of time wishing for something better when we might have the answer already. And we just need to let, you know, things fall where they may, get our guys back healthy, get a couple guys in the draft. And I think we'll be okay. All right, some positive lo- Thanks for the call, Rome. Some positive love for Joe Barry there. Look, obviously this is disappointing. You, you heard uh, big-time sports guy Brandon Snyder say he was first angry. No, was it sad than, yeah, sad than angry? Um, look, we'll, we'll all get over it. This is, this is a surprise season, and I think if they're honest, nobody expected us to play in two playoff games to beat the number two seed, to almost beat the number one seed both games on the road. So my show poll question today before I shift to some of the uh, the presidential race news is the Green Bay Packers getting knocked out of the playoffs Saturday. Where will your all your attention and time and energy go now? And I gave you a few choices just off the top of my head. Cheering for the Lions because they're going to the NFC Championship game in San Francisco against the 49ers next weekend. Uh, so that's one. Head first into politics, which is what we're going to talk about next. Only 6.5% of you, which I'm not surprised by, trust me. And uh, this is one that I'm going to be kind of diving headfirst into is the uh, my winter to-do list. And my wife Kathy and I are all already well on our way, and we've actually done a lot of small projects already. And now it's going to be some, some uh, you know, donating of things we don't use anymore, some Goodwill stuff, maybe some of the other places that accept the furniture, kind of. Like reorganizing, cleaning, a little bit of uh, renovation. We just did our, I'm going to tell you about in a second, uh, a little bit later in the show, the uh, great new floor that uh, Adair Floors and More in Franklin put in for us last week. It's stunning. And I'm going to talk about that uh, in one of my live reads a little bit later. So let's make the shift because I want to get to, I want to, get to some of this presidential politics stuff. And um, if you didn't catch the news, it happened essentially Sunday, yesterday, um, but there were some inklings on Saturday that Ron DeSantis, the governor of the state of Florida, was going to drop out of the race for the nomination for the Republicans for president. Um, $150 million invested in, into essentially Iowa. Finishing seconds, uh, Nikki Haley was a close third, and of course Donald Trump dominated historic win in Iowa. And there were... Many signs, because he really wasn't a serious contender in New Hampshire, and I, that's there's for a lot a lot of reasons why that might be the case, and I'll get to some of them. Essentially, ending his campaign yesterday, and so I'm going to give you a little audio of what some of this sounded like. But I'm also I've got an interesting DeSantis piece, but this is the maybe the benefactor or the beneficiary, I should say, of the um, DeSantis dropout. Maybe this is uh, Nikki Haley when she finds out. He ran a great race. He's been a good governor, and we wish him well. Having said that, it's now one fella and one lady left. So there were 14 people in this race. There were a lot of fellas. All the fellas are out. Uh-huh. Except for this one. And this comes down to what do you want? Do you yeah, want more want of the you. same or do you want something new? And I've said over and over again, it, it is time for the Republicans to to sort of look at this as a I understand the Trump power and that it's unmistakable, it's remarkable, 
and it shows no signs of going away. So that's, that's a reality. But for Republicans, supporting a woman for this position of president is, is sort of a bold take for Republicans. It's one that's been necessary for a long time. And I think as we debate the near future in this race, she's the only alternative to Trump right now. Oh, and oh, by the way, in most of the polling, which presidents like to, and former presidents like to cite when it works for them and ignore or belittle when they don't, she's the only one that has a consistent polling result that says she can beat the current president, Joe Biden. So that's the reality for Nikki Haley. Now, Immediately upon dropping out of this race, Ron DeSantis endorsed Donald Trump, which is somewhat shocking to me because not more than, oh, I don't know, a couple days earlier, Ron DeSantis said this about Donald Trump. You can be the most worthless Republican in America, but if you kiss the ring, he'll say you're wonderful. You can be the strongest, most dynamic a successful Republican and conservative in America. But if you don't kiss that ring, then he'll try to trash you. You know what? You deserve a nominee that's going to put you first, not himself first. Ron DeSantis. Before he made the statement that he wanted to drop out. An interesting little tidbit about his, uh, I think he did a four-minute Twitter sort of dropping out speech. And in the speech, he thought he was quoting Winston Churchill, but in reality, he was quoting he was quoting an old Budweiser commercial, which is somewhat ironic because he's a guy that uh, didn't have a lot of love for Budweiser and Anheuser Busch uh, in the uh, I'd say the last year or so. So somewhat ironic, and and it, again, it shows you the the stupidity of politics that somebody didn't vet that quotes and the uh, Winston Churchill organization. Uh, there's a more fancy name, but I don't know what it is off the top of my head. They immediately said this is not. Winston Churchill, he never said this. So it's kind of an interesting look at politics. So my question for all of you is this. In New Hampshire, it looks like Haley has a shot. Not a good one. Donald Trump today, with just, just Nikki Haley in the way, seems like the presumptive nominee. Ran in 2016, uh, beats Hillary Clinton. Ran in 2020, lost to Joe Biden. Probably looks like it's going to be a redo 2.0 of Biden-Trump in 2024. As a voter, did the Ron DeSantis dropping out change anything for you? I played that clip for a reason, because it, it demonstrates pretty clearly there's really no values anymore. There's no There's no insult that goes too far. Not more than... A week ago, Donald Trump was calling Ron DeSantis essentially a pedophile. And I can go back historically. Donald Trump basically said Ted Cruz, his dad was like a killer. And now Ted Cruz is one of the most enthusiastic endorsers of Donald Trump there is. It speaks to something that it's really hard to understand, for me, from my perspective. We like to see good people run for office and do good things. But we, of course, now we're in this era and this generation of hate the other side. They're evil. We're awesome. Uh, we're going to just make things up. We're going to deny we said things. In the case of Ron DeSantis, Ted Cruz, and many others, you can almost do anything to us. I played for the clip, the clip for it the other day where Ted Cruz is defending his wife, basically calling out Donald Trump for saying mean things about his wife. 
Doesn't matter. He still endorsed it. Will the Nikki Haley news change and anything? We'll take a break here. What do you think? 855-616-1620. Will the Ron DeSantis announcement Sunday dropping out of the race for president change anything? Will Nikki Haley pull up a shocking victory in New Hampshire? I don't think so, but might be close. Mike from Illinois joins us. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I am wonderful on this Monday. So what do you think? Yes. Well, first of all, I was very glad to hear the news. Um, I think it makes it a lot less murky and more clear. There's only two choices now. Um, And hopefully um, Haley can get some of the DeSantis votes. Um, Obviously, endorsing Trump, um, you know, I was disappointed by that. But, you know, when you're asking about that, I, I thought about something I heard a long time ago that in politics, there's no permanent enemies or permanent friends. There's only permanent interests. And I think that's Ron right. DeSantis does not want to alienate Trump voters. Um, he might even be vying for a cabinet spot or, and you know, depending on what, you know, how long he stays as governor. Who knows? But I don't think he wants to um, make Trump an enemy of his. So um, either way, um, I'm hoping that Haley does good in New Hampshire and then crushes them in South Carolina. All right. Thanks for the call, Mike. Look, I, I think Mike nails it there. It becomes, at some points, self-preservation, right? If Ron DeSantis says, can't stand Trump, he belittled me, uh, says all the things he said you know, prior to his announcement, he's going to have a tougher road as a governor who, by the way, is going to be out of office because they have term limits in Florida. And you know, all this conversation about him running in 2028, he won't be an incumbent. He'll be out of work, essentially. Now he can run for something else, and maybe he's going to run for Senate. I have no idea. But he will be out of office in 2028. That, that's a game changer when it comes to you know, via, via, viability for candidates, you know, recognition. He might be the guy that just basically said, you know what? I don't care what he says about me or my family or whatever. I'm still a Trump guy. I have a lot of texts on this, but I want to get Sam from Milwaukee in the, uh, in the mix as well. Hey, Sam. Hey, thanks for the call, um, for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, I'm just going to just feed off of what you guys just said. Yeah, he's afraid of his career. He's afraid of what, what backlash will come of it if he doesn't side with him. Um, and I told the person that screened the call, that's why you have to love a guy like Paul Ryan. He didn't like the way things were going. He stepped away because he's not going to take mudslinging and then do a 180 and say, well, I back him. And that's exactly what DeSantis is doing. All, all these Republicans are doing that. They just want to save their career because they're afraid of this guy. And that's the, that's the main reason. That's what I think. Yeah, thanks for the call, Sam. I'm not sure. I mean, I've talked about Donald Trump for seven years now. I'm not sure what the reason is people fear him. It's, it's to me, silly. And, I'm, you know, he's, he's a big guy. He's like 6'4", I think, 6'3", 6'4". He's an intimidating, you know, force. Uh, for some reason... Some Republicans have said, this is our standard bearer. This is the guy that's going to do this. But for, I think for a lot of us, we've said, what's the alternative? And one by one, he's beaten down his opponents, which I know that some people in the Republican Party, they try to emulate that behavior. And some are good at it, some aren't. And, and it's really ugly and weird when people do it on social media. But set that aside. There is an option for Republican voters. This is the last option, really. Because... A lot of people who look at politics for a living, talkers, strategists, are not happy that Donald Trump's going to be the nominee. 
voters so far have said, and de- definitely pollsters have said, that Donald Trump is the guy. But it is amazing to me that with a very light turnout in Iowa, and we haven't even had New Hampshire yet, people are saying this race is over. As if we're going to go through this entire year having a general election debate when there's a string of primaries across this country that are essentially going to be made meaningless. That defeats the purpose. That defeats the idea that there's a a real opportunity for voters in every state to weigh in. And I still think, like a lot of other people, that at some point there's something, still a great unknown, that will blow up Donald Trump's candidacy. And you can you could look at the legal troubles. You can look at a lot of different things. Let's get Don in from the West Side. Hey, Don. Hi, Steve. Uh, I don't think it makes any difference uh, with DeSantis dropping out. Everything is already said. Trump's going to be the MAGA party candidate because Republicans have abdicated uh, to him. Uh, none of them had the, the guts, I could say something else, to stand up to him, and they still don't. And I think uh, I think Trump's going to be president because even if he loses, he's going to declare election was stolen. He's going to organize his MAGA thugs again and probably attempt another coup. Uh, he's, in my opinion, he's the greatest danger to this country uh, from anything before after the Civil War. And it's just not looking good. Thanks for the call, Don. Look, we're going to move on in the 10, in the 10 o'clock hour. But this is an interesting time for this country. And I, I can't dispute what Don just said. If he did January 6th last time, what would he do next time if the results don't go his way? That's a huge question underlying everything that's important in this country. We'll take a break for news. Then the 10 o'clock hour. Lots ahead. Have fun. Let's go. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. Ah, happy Monday, everybody. Not happy Victory Monday, as we all saw the Packers lose, or most of us saw the Packers lose to the 49ers on Saturday night. But a hell of a season. We had a nice uh, recap with... Uh, Big-time sports guy Brandon Snide in the first half hour of the first hour of the program. We're going to shift gears completely. i got a bunch of different topics this hour because you got to get your mind off this stuff, right? And politics will slowly eat away at your brain. We know that. <laughs> Editorial comment there. I saw this story, and I go, i got to find out what my audience thinks about this. I have a definite opinion on it. I'm not going to share it right away. The headline is this. I saw this in – it made a lot of news on the Today Show. That's where I first – because if you don't know, in the studio here, we have all the monitors from all the networks, and today's show is one of them. And I saw this story being discussed, saw it because I can't hear it. And it's basically fans suing Madonna, one of the most iconic singers of the last couple generations, right? Uh, somebody has been around for a long time. They're suing Madonna. And uh, the promoter Live Nation, because her concerts routinely start two-plus hours late. What am I talking about? So two New York residents, their names, if it matters, Michael Fellows and Jonathan Haddon, they bought this or brought this class-action lawsuit against Madonna and Barclays Center, where the concert they were going to was going to happen, filed a lawsuit in federal court, Brooklyn, to be exact, And 
All because the December 13th Madonna Celebration Tour concert was supposed to begin at 8.30, but Madonna, the artist, didn't take the stage until after 10.45. Because of the late start, and I'm reading from the USA Today piece on this, the concert goers, the um, the two uh, gentlemen, were con- confronted with limited transportation, limited ride sharing, and or increased public and private transportation costs when the show let out at 1 a.m. So anybody who's been at concerts know this is a pretty egregious example, but typically they don't start on time. Now I will give, for example, I saw Bruce Springsteen, the most recent concert I attended, and Paul McCartney, for that matter, a couple of years before that, started right on time. So I think there's an expectation from most of us that, yeah, they may not start. I think the one example that I can cite, I got free tickets to go see um, Lady Gaga once at Summerfest. I would never bought tickets, but it was free. I wanted to see what the what the uh, you know show was like. She started like an hour and a half late and put on some opening acts that I had never heard of. They were mildly entertaining. Then she comes out and does like an hour 15 and she's done. So didn't necessarily extend the concert later, just showed up late. 855-616-161, the old WTMJ talking text line. Should you be able to sue? Now, you can sue anybody for almost anything, right, with a couple exceptions. Should we, the consumer, we, the ticket buyers, we, the ticket go, the concert goers, be able to sue artists when they show up late? The uh, two individuals involved in this lawsuit said because she didn't begin her concert at the advertised start time, this constituted a breach of contract between the artist and the consumer, false advertising, negligence, misrepresentation, and unfair and deceptive trade practices. And like a lot of these cases, they're seeking unspecified damages. Now, one of the people that regularly attends Madonna concerts said Madonna typically always starts late, 10.45, 10.50, and that most of the, uh, you know, the, the Madonna fans, they know that, they don't bother showing up earlier. So there's sort of an unwritten rule here. What do you think? 855-616-1620. I'll tell you what I think about it as a concert goer. And it might, it might surprise you, actually, given you the, the stories that I talked about. Springsteen on time, McCartney on time. I think Billy Joel was on time when I saw him a couple times in the last five years. And... Um, it's got to be five years at least. Probably, no, it's more than that. Seven or eight years when I saw Lady Gaga at Summerfest. Someone will correct me on that at the uh, the main stage there. Um, she was about an hour and a half late. That's typically what, not what I'm used to. But Madonna being sued for being very late, two hours and, what, 15 minutes late, to a, a recent concert at the Barclays Center. What do you think? 855-616-1620. Love to hear from you. I'll give you my take after this. Madonna being sued by two concert goers who said, you know what, two hours, 15 minutes late for an 8.30 start is not a good thing. They're going to sue Madonna, unspecified damages. But it does raise a bigger question. What's the obligation of the artist? i uh, got some texts on it as, as well uh, and some phone calls. I'll say this. First of all, I'm not going to sue. I think having seen probably 100 concerts in my lifetime going all the way back to when I was in college, I've had a very experience, right? On time, a little bit late, very late. 
I think a couple even canceled, and I didn't even know it until I got there. So, I mean, there's all the experiences of being a concert goer. I, I'm generally not a fan of lawsuits in the first place. We are a, a country that loves to sue. There's people that actually make living just find, finding things they can sue people about. And I know some of these people, and they're not nice. They're not very nice human beings. So, I mean, that's the reality of the world we live in now. There's an opportunity for people to make money actually just suing people non, nonstop all the time. Every different issue you could possibly think of. But in this one, I'm not a fan. You know, it's Madonna. You're going to, whatever time she starts, you, you should stick around. It's one of the, obviously one of the, the uh, greatest performing, performance artists of our generation, right? Going all the way back to the 80s. The tickets probably weren't cheap. I understand that the, the, uh, the hassle with transportation, but it, that, that's not on Madonna to figure that out. Uh, a couple of quick texts, then we'll go to the phone lines. Uh, the few concerts I've been to usually have small prints saying that the event could be canceled or delayed at, at your expense. So I don't know if this Madonna concert had the same clause. I think that fans should get a certain percentage of their ticket refunded if these types of things happen, and it should come out of the performance pocket and not the crew who puts on the show. That ain't going to happen. Uh, so if you go late because she typically starts late, but this time she starts on time and you miss the concert, can you sue? Interesting question. She's not necessarily known for starting on time. Uh, she needs to go from the texter. Uh, she needs to go. Don't support this washed-up star. Uh, from the 262, a friend saw the Ramones at a club in New York decades ago. They took the stage at 1.45 a.m. and played for about a half hour. Of course, the Ramones can play 12 songs in 30 minutes. Yeah, they're, they're nonstop, quick, short songs worth seeing. But, um, yeah, that's the reality. To the phone lines, we go Jeff from Fox Point. Hey, Jeff, good morning. Hi, Steve. I think suing is misguided. If somebody did that at a show I went to see, what I would do is I would find out why that performer was so late. And if it was a bad reason, then I would just stop supporting that performer. And I and I would not attend any more shows from that performer. What if the performer just, that's what they do? I, I, I'm trying to think of some comparisons, but it's been a long time since the 80s and 90s when I saw most of my concerts. It wasn't uncommon to see that the headliner acts start an hour or so late that was i think an alpine valley in the uh, in the 80s and 90s very common well i hear prince used to do that and if and i would probably be turned off and because that does say something about that performer's attitude and the regard for his or her fans and i i don't really care who it is or what their philosophy is i would probably be pretty turned off and and not want to attend their shows anymore would you go see them like knowing what you know now would you go see, would you buy tickets to see madonna oh of course not yeah i wonder thanks for the call Jeff. i wonder how popular she still is i wonder how popular she still is i mean obviously she's got to be i mean she barkley center is a big venue uh let's see from the four and four someone's got to correct me right springsteen tour average is 38 minutes late i think they were five minutes or less at the fire serve when I saw in 2023. Uh, for the 9-2-0, don't they care about fans that have to work the next day? Another case of the rich don't care about regular people. Pretty sure they don't care about that. Pretty sure they can sleep till when they want to wake up. Uh, from the 262, I would understand maybe a half hour or so due to unforeseen circumstances, but two hours is ridiculous. Madonna or not, you should be respectful of people's times. Nothing irritates me more than when people are late. I respect your time, therefore you should respect mine. Now, I'm a person, my wife's the same way. We show up early for everything. We're never late, ever. I have friends who show up late for everything. It's kind of how you're wired, and that's even a bigger question. Is it rude 
if you show up late to uh, a party that you're invited to, when it says five, especially a dinner party. One of my friends was telling me about a holiday party uh, where they had dinner, set time, and, and one of the guests showed up like an hour late and was expecting everyone to wait for them. Well, first of all, it's not going to happen in my house. And two, that's just rude. Uh, from the 262, if you're always late, change your start time. It's being, uh, I can't say the word, for no reason other than selfishness. Uh, Steve, you don't stick around, you request a refund. I don't know how that would go. If you're at a concert, you've gotten into the concert, let's say it's two hours now and the, the uh, headliner has not showed up, can you go, who are you going to ask? Live Nation, I think is the uh, promoter in this one. I don't think that's going to work. Because ultimately, she did perform. And she played well into the morning, uh, we of, of the morning, right, 101 something. Here's the other thing. For a lot of our venues in Wisconsin, they can't, I think, legally perform past midnight. So that would not fly here. And somebody wiser than me could tell me if Madonna or someone that's known for being late is actually going to be scheduled anytime in the near future here in Wisconsin. Uh, sorry, Steve, I disagree. A $150 ticket represents a purchase contract with certain performance expectations. If the performer cannot adhere, then simply changing the time to accurately reflect reality. Uh, okay. I just don't know how that, how's that going to work? What's, what's, what's allowable? In this case, it was 2.15, two hours and 15 minutes late. What if it's 45 minutes late, which is probably really common in the entertainment business? Are all those people going to sue? How about a baseball game that doesn't start on time for whatever reason? Can the fans of the baseball team or the organization sue them? Uh, from the 262, this is their job. Why can't they show up on time? It's rude to the fans. T-Swift always starts on time. Doesn't surprise me. Suing is a bit over the top, but sends a message. From the 414, to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. It's quoted. I've heard that before. Don't know who originally said that. Um, Madonna's not thinking about the people that made her millions. She should just go away. She's not going to go away. Very popular. I'm guessing, I haven't looked, but I'm guessing tickets for a Madonna concert would be well in the hundreds and hundreds of dollars. You know, if you're paying 350 or more for Springsteen or 500 for McCartney, she's probably in that... In that realm, right? 200 to 500 or more, especially if you're close to the stage. 855-616. What do you think? Should you be able to sue if an artist says, I'm not going to show up for like three hours after the concert? Now, that would probably irritate me. And I may go home. Although when you spend 300 to $500, you're, you're probably going to want to see a show. And, and unless they outright cancel at the last minute, which then I think there would be a serious lawsuit and challenges to the promoter, and you would get your money back, pretty sure. I don't know if I'm going to go all the way in on suing people. What do you think? 855-616-1620. The WTMJ Talk and Text Line. Unmistakably Madonna. One of her early big hits, big early hits. Would you sue her, though, if she showed up two hours? I don't it seems like this is another example of how we want to sue for everything. Every Everything that you don't like in the world, we're just going to sue people. Filling up our courts, all the important stuff gets delayed because we're so busy with all the nonsense. Yeah, can you be mad about it? Yeah, absolutely. Who wants to wait? You want to see this artist that you just paid you know hundreds and hundreds of dollars to see show up sort of on time. And I, to be honest, I haven't followed Madonna, Madonna ever, really. Wasn't a huge fan of her music. I understand it. It's impact on our culture. 
especially that song we just played. But it's um, it's not in my mind worth the investment of time, energy, passion, and potentially dollars in, in suing her because she shows up two hours and fifty minutes late for a concert. It's just not my thing. All right, I'm going to shift gears here because I want to. Very selfish reason. Am I selfish today? Maybe maybe I I'm owed this because of the Packers' defeat in San Francisco. I'm going to be extra selfish today. We'll see. All right, so I've warned about this for a long time. One of the byproducts of the pandemic was distrust of science and scientists. Unmistakable. And I saw this um, this poll over the weekend, survey, I should say, at uh, u.gov, looking at Americans and how they view things. So I was both encouraged and disappointed. So the question is simple. Looking at prominent scientists, right? Some names you'll recognize, some you may not know. The highest-ranked favorable view of a scientist, it's not shocking, Albert Einstein, right? Brilliant, brilliant man. Theory of relativity, quantum mechanics, basically understanding how physics and nature interact and work together. Don't have to look any further than E equals MC squared, which arises from the relativity argument, which is now called the world's most famous equation, by the way. Nobel Prize winner, generally considered to be one of the smartest people that ever lived, right? His favorability number hasn't declined much. 86%. Solid. Also up in the 70s, Isaac Newton, right? Thomas Edison, light bulb. Electricity. I toured his home in the uh, Fort Myers Beach area when I was down there a few years ago. Absolutely incredible. He was doing things both in his residence, which is across the street from his actual workshop, which is still there and still looks the same, which is fascinating. If you ever get a chance to get down there, go check it out. Simple tour, easy to to walk around. Uh, Thomas Edison, 77. Isaac Newton, 79. Here's where it gets interesting. Stephen Hawking, right? UK scientist, died recently, suffered his whole life, but genius. Also looking at some of the same questions that Einstein was looking at. Charles Darwin. This is the, where it starts to get fascinating. 62% of those surveyed did not hold a... F- that was the favorable part. All the rest, not favorable. 19, didn't know him. Interesting. It is a question that I think is related to what Darwin is known for, right? The theory of evolution, survival of the fittest. And that has now creeped into politics, and certainly faith. Just so you know where I'm coming from, all in on all of that. Charles Darwin, genius, ahead of his time, literally ahead of his time. And then some other names that popped up that have very, what I think are low favorability numbers. Carl Sagan. The genius of the cosmos, right? Very popular in the last century, public television specials, seeing beyond our planets, even seeing beyond our solar system for, to the bigger question of how this all fits together. He's not even at 50%. Neil deGrasse Tyson, a newer version, if you want to put it that way, of, of uh, Carl Sagan, looking at the cosmos again. He's at 44 Oppenheimer, the movie, came out recently, right? Depiction of individual who helped the development of the atomic weapons. 42. 
percent favorable. And a bunch of other physicists who barely make 20%. What's the point, Steve? The point is, we are not, as a culture, as a country, and probably as a planet, as comfortable as we used to be in supporting people who are generally thought of as thought leaders, geniuses, scientists, experts, subject matter experts. Who do I blame? What do I blame? Politics. It's what I blame for most things. It's made us dumber, in my opinion. It's made us question everything. Not that questioning is a bad idea, per se, but when you abandon common sense, when you abandon logic, when you abandon science for some weird, drummed-up Internet version of whatever passes for intelligence nowadays, I think the end result is not as good as it used to be, my, my take. What do you think? 855-616-1620. Love the fact that people still celebrate Einstein. Wish it was more than just for his crazy hair. And the fact that he's on posters you still see on college campuses. But when you start looking at Carl Sagan, less than 50% favorable. Neil deGrasse Tyson, the modern version of Carl Sagan, less than 50% favorable. And a ton of other physicists, individuals who are looking at the world and, and the universe we live in. It does give me pause. What does it give you? It also gives me indigestion, which is the physical manifestation of all of that. 855-616-1620. What do you think after this? All right, whenever you hear that music, especially on Mondays at 1030-ish, you know what's coming next. Dave Spano, president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, joining us. Hi, Dave. Hello, Steve. I heard you're getting to Ajudu. Most people don't know what that means. Upset stomach. Yes. From well, weren't you a little upset after Saturday night? Well, from the loss, of course. Yes. I mean, the fact that they had such a great opportunity and let it squander. You know, and and, and folks, as we know, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers went in 2011 and never went back. So you got to take those opportunities when they present themselves. Yeah, and, and, and let's be honest, it was it was a surprise that we got to the playoffs for most yeah, of no us. Yeah, no doubt. And no so doubt. I, I like to look at the positives, and I'm I'm trying to do that today. Now. Okay. Talking about positives, we've had a lot of good economic news to talk about recently. Is that going to continue, Dave Spano? Well, it probably is. In an election year, you usually see better numbers. And, of course, the Federal Reserve will probably do something to lower interest rates to spur on the economy because they think that perhaps inflation uh, is at least getting under control, not quite under control yet, but from where the, where it was, 9% inflation rates down to around 3% or so is getting into their window. And so we're likely going to see interest rates uh, start to come back down, and that is good for the consumer, it's good for businesses, and it's good for mortgage rates. I was reading your Axiom newsletter uh, when you sent it out, and, and uh, one of the topics was... Cash on the sidelines. Explain. Yeah, so, you know, when interest rates went up and people started to get paid for sitting on the sideline, that was a good thing. For so often, you'll remember that I said that, you know, when people go to the bank and they look up at the wall to get a rate and it was it began with a decimal point, well, that wasn't very good. But now savers can get paid, and that was a really good thing. There were CD rates north of 5%. That is good. And so people put a lot of that money, took it out of perhaps stocks or, or perhaps it was just sitting idle somewhere and put it to work. But that's really on the sideline. What do you do with that money? 
when interest rates start to come back down, we can talk about a lot of ideas. And one of them, of course, and everyone's risk parameters are different, but you know, do you lock in a rate at higher rates today? Do you look at things like bonds because as interest rates go back down, bond prices go back up? Do you start to, to, to stage into the equities market and get dividends? By the way, thanks for bringing that up. We're going to do a cash on the sidelines how to make it work. It's, it's uh, this Wednesday at 3 p.m. Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist, and myself are going to do that. It's a webinar. If you're interested in going, uh, just go to AnnexWealth.com and hit the, and hit the uh, events tab, and we'll be able to sign you up. Yeah, these, uh, you and I did a webinar not too long about some, some of the risks and opportunities in 2024, and hundreds of people show up. And the great thing is you can interact with Dave, and he gives you his wisdom a real life, real time. I love it. Yeah, and you, well, you were great as well. In fact, you know, you running the, you running the ship uh, really made it go. And so, thank you very much for doing that. And of yeah. course, we're going to do that. And and I, I'm going to be kind of the uh, running the ship here. And Dr. Brian Jacobson is going to be doing most of the presentation. But uh, the two of us will be on if you want to interact. It's really a good idea. And you know, what do you do with some of that cash on the sideline? Is something a lot of people are asking about. You know, from people who are very well off to people just getting started. I was watching uh, Jim Cramer's show, which name escapes me off the top of my head, on Friday afternoon. Mad Money. Yes. Mad money. And he was talking about this week being a, a, an interesting week for earnings reports from some of the big companies. What do you, what do you know about that? Yeah, well, of course. You know, earnings week, uh, it would be earnings season starts, and every quarter, the you know, publicly traded companies have got to put their report card out there. And there's two things that they do. They report on what they did looking backwards, and as important or more important in my mind is what do they think going forward. So a lot of big companies are going to start to report. You start generally with the banks, and then you move in. And then probably in another two or three weeks, you'll start to see a lot of tech companies come in. And we're going to expect a lot of good things. You know, this last week we saw some big numbers out of a couple of companies, Taiwan Semiconductor had, you know, blew the doors off. We saw a company called Super Microcomputers up 37% just on Friday. So there was some good earnings reports that come out, and then the market reacts to that because they have higher sales or higher anticipated sales and higher profits. It never fails. Whenever we have you on, there's always a tax question. And this one has to do with that period between the end of the year, right, 2023 ended, and tax filing deadline in April. What are things, strategies that people should be employing right now to improve their tax outlook. Yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of things is you think about tax planning, and that is, as we all know, that goes on throughout the year. You know, people think about tax compliance. That's actually filing the tax return. You know, so, of course, the guys with the gold badges don't throw you in jail, but <laughs> right. that is something else. This is tax planning goes out, and there's different ways to think about it. Should it be tax deferred? Should it be tax free? I mean, these are the things that you need to think about, and there's lots of products that are out there. There's lots of ways to get that done. So throughout the year, that is part of the process. And I'm telling you, folks, it gets complicated. Just the tax planning alone is very complicated. So you need people on your staff like we do that are CPAs, that are lawyers in that space, that are lawyers in that space. And so we really go out and we start to talk about uh, how, the, how that works with the entire wealth management program. Yeah, and especially when you start approaching that retirement decision, how you strategize your current accumulation of assets and what you do with it after retirement, maybe your tax bracket changes. Those are all really, really important things that you have to consider. And often you don't do that when you're kind of a, you know, a solo investor. 
Yeah, and that's right. And you think about you know the team members that you have, and, and it's hard to do that because there's so many moving parts. I always say, even for a financial advisor who's who's out there on on their own, it's very difficult. I I know for certain, even though I've been doing this coming up on four decades, that I don't have all the answers. On you know, I, we have PhDs in the investment department, we have lawyers in our estate planning department, we have CPAs in our tax planning department. Those, and of course, certified financial planners. No one is an expert in all of those things, and that's why it takes a team to. Bring it to the table. But this is an important week, not only for uh, earnings, Steve, of course, we'll find out a lot through the New Hampshire uh, primary. And then once we understand what that is, this may be the longest run-up of a presidential election in our memory, because we're going to know right away, it looks like Trump and Biden, if that's the case, stocks are going to react to either one of those. For example, uh, when we saw Obama look like he was going to win, we saw a movement in health care stocks. When it looks like Trump uh, is was was winning back in 2016. There was movement in, for example, banking stocks. And now we're going to start to see, should there be green stocks if it looks like Biden can hold on? Those are all the decisions that happen, and companies uh, and, and investors move their money to where they think it's going to be a long-term play. So no question, you got to go through all of this stuff, understand what's in your portfolio, why is it in your portfolio, and how much you're paying for it. Dave Spano joining us on WTMJ. Anything else on your radar for the next couple weeks ahead? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, the elections are probably going to suck a lot of the air out of the room. But there's a lot of, you know, the biggest news coming out is going to be the earnings reports coming up and then what the Federal Reserve does in March. Those are going to be the two uh, shaping stories that we're going to get elections. And, of course, you know, there's always the the black swan idea that we hope doesn't happen. And that could be something like a geopolitical event. Hopefully that starts to calm down. But these are all the things that are on our radar that our entire team looks at on a daily basis. You know, you, you talked about this last year actually saw the future on on where the, the the markets were going and we approached we have record highs in the in the Dow and the in the uh, I think the S&P is also record high are they all three all three of the big ones yeah, when you look at the S&P 500, we are back where we were almost two years ago. And, you know, those big numbers, those round numbers, they have kind of a magnet effect. So you look at where the Dow Jones is at 37,000. Can it get to 40,000? You look at the S&P 500 where it is. Can it get to 5,000? Those big numbers have kind of a magnet effect because at the end of the day, it's not just computers doing the trade and it's individuals. So look for that big number. I don't know. We certainly don't know when that's going to be. But it does have a draw effect towards those, those those big round numbers, and I think we might see both of those in 2024. All the more reason to have someone help you wade through all of those numbers. Dave Spano, Annex Wealth Management, AnnexWealth.com, and simple as doing what I did, click the Get Started button. Always great to talk to you, Dave. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Have a great week. All right. Happy Monday, everybody. We're going we're gonna to shift gears again after this break. It's an all-important break to hear from our great partners here at WTMJ. Um, and then 11 o'clock hour. What do we do on Mondays at 11 o'clock? I'm trying to think. I don't even know. Well, we'll get to it. Right? I'm going to freelance it a little bit today, I think. I feel, I feel like freelancing it a little bit. I'm going to do it. As long as this is... <laughs> I'm having an internal conversation, me and Charlie, through the glass. He's just looking at me like I'm crazy. I may be crazy. That's what a Packers loss does to me. I wasn't Brandon, like, ignore everybody. I was actually at a party, so I had the participating conversation. But it still got to me. We'll sort it all out after this. You may be right. Of course I'm right. That's why I'm hosting the show. But thank you for that affirmation. And Billy Joel, tapping into what I said earlier. I've seen him twice in the last five years. He never disappoints, by the way. And he does show up on time. He respects his audience. All right, a little cleanup on the science question. I, I, I knew I was going to get to this because this is, this is what it's always about. And I'm going to make some points that are going to make you mad, but I, you know, I'm going to tell you what I think. Um, 
I'm going to read the text and I'll respond to it. Politics plays a role, but so does religion. My book says the world works one way, and it's very upsetting that your hundreds of years of repeatable experiments and research says it works a different way. In my world, faith and science complement each other. Why do I say that? Because the, the friction and the conflict, we've seen that play out, whether it's the Catholic Church in the medieval age, when someone disagreed, they were killed, whether it's the modern era we live in, where, where in some cases some extremist people of different faiths use their faith as an example to kill other people, it's the ugliness of faith, right? It's the, uh, the, the, the dark side. You don't get to celebrate all the good stuff and then forget that there's a dark element to this as well. So when you talk about science from the perspective of we all become smarter, we become enriched, we learn about things that we never would have known before through people that are not only scientists but great communicators, faith plays a role in that. And as I said at the beginning of this, it can complement each other. And if we if we abdicate that relationship, if we forget about it and use it as a source of conflict, which is what happened with Darwin the theory of evolution, some faith-based education, we've created a conflict where there doesn't have to be one. The best faith, my opinion, celebrates science, understands that there's a complexity to everything we do, and that's how we all become smarter. So the, the, the sort of the wrap-up of this is, if we're going to start blowing up scientists and science and research and all the things that we hold dear, we should hold dear, that explain our incredibly complex lives, I don't think that's a good next step. From Dr. Fauci to, you know, pick somebody, Stephen Hawking, Carl Sagan, Albert Einstein, Isaac Newton. All of these people did some amazing things. Were they perfect? Absolutely not. Not close. No human being is perfect. But often the work that that human, that imperfect human being does changes our understanding and can change our lives in a, in a wonderful way. Look no further than Thomas Edison. I think we all love electricity. Mm, he got us there a little bit earlier. That's all I'm saying. So if you're a person of faith, as, I, as am I, don't just take the good things. Understand there's complexities to that faith that are, in some cases, not positive from a historical perspective to the age we live in now. That's a responsibility of all people of faith, different faiths. And frankly, the competition between faiths doesn't help either. Those are the controversial parts of what I was talking about. All right, after the break, I've done this story every year for like the last seven years. I argue no one cares. The price of a stamp going up again. I could care less. I haven't bought a stamp in five years. I could care less. And frankly... Knowing this reality that every year it goes up, why wouldn't you just buy those forever stamps, buy a whole book of them, capture the, the great price point that's the old price, and then use those for the next 10 years? I don't understand it. I'm not a shopper. Explain it to me. I could care less after this. If you're a regular listener, you know we often have a giveaway. Sometimes in a 10 o'clock hour, sometimes we move it around a little bit. Today's is a good one. I just saw Bill Maher in... Las Vegas, end of last year. Uh, well, he's coming to town, Riverside Theater, Milwaukee, July 13th, uh, host of HBO's Real Time. Um, he'll give you everything you expect on politics. Quick story, as I uh, as I tease this uh, giveaway here. 
we were sitting in a, a packed theater at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, and um, he does a lot of politics, obviously. And he starts by blowing up fans of Donald Trump, and then some fans were booing him, and then they stormed out. Five minutes later, he's blowing up the other side of the political aisle. They would have just stuck around. They would have had things to cheer about. But it shows the, the impatience of the political debate. But if you want to see all of that, and he gets a lot of grief. He's one of the most talented comedians and, I think, commentators on politics that we have today. So he's going to be all, all of his hot takes, Milwaukee, July 13th at the Riverside Theater. And you have a chance to win two tickets every day this week. Bill Maher. Those aren't cheap tickets either. So uh, thanks to the folks at Riverside. This is a big one. Bill Maher. I'm going to with call number six today, 855-616-1620. Call number six, a pair of tickets to see Bill Maher live at the Riverside Theater July 3rd. We're actually going to try to get him on the show uh, in advance of that concert because I've, I've seen him a couple times. Not a big fan. Uh, like his commentary. He, um, he spares no one. Doesn't mean I agree with everything he says. Save the text. He spares no one. Liberals, conservatives, Republicans, Democrats, whatever, whatever. He goes after everybody. And as much as he used to be called left-wing, he's sort of evened it out over the years. He's an equal opportunity offender, which I appreciate. And in some ways, model my show after. So Bill Maher, call number six. Look at those phone lines light up. We'll do it four more times this week. Today, caller number six will be the lucky winner of a pair of tickets. All right, quickly. We may dip in the 11 o'clock hour and talk about this, if you're interested. I could care less that starting yesterday, the price of stamps went from 66 to 68 cents. If you would have asked me yesterday before I saw this story how much the stamps cost, I would have said 55 cents. No idea. I haven't bought a stamp in five years. I literally, I just had this discussion last night at a family gathering. In my world, once a week mail. Why are you still getting things mailed to you? It's silly. It's mo- It's mainly, mostly junk mail, which in our house immediately goes into the garbage. So not only the, the postage you paid, the printing costs, all of that you wasted, because I'm not even going to read it. And this is what passes for mail. Now, save the text. If you have a health reason why you need to get mail, by all means, identify those people, let them get their mail every day, if they need it. The rest of us, Give me all my mail on Friday or Saturday. I'm good. Bundle it up. I'll go through it quickly and pitch most of it. But in the day and age we live in, why in the world are you still getting paper bills? Why in the world are you still mailing things out? My goodness. Use technology, people. Could care less. If you have a thought, 855-616-1620. I might bring that back in the 11 o'clock hour. I say might because I'm very selfish today. I said that earlier. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. Happy Monday, everybody. Not Victory Monday. We know that. We lost. Green Bay Packers lost Saturday night to San Francisco. Game we should have won. Darn field goal kickers. Save the text. I understand there's a lot more to it than that. All right, so I I, I did a little bit at the end of the 10 o'clock hour. Uh, and thanks for listening, by the way. All of those who take the time to find the show, appreciate you. And then Joe in Atlanta pointed out, I always do this. I always make this mistake. It's I couldn't care less, not I could care less. I always say could instead of couldn't. I always mix that up. So thanks to Joe for pointing that out. I'll try to be better, Joe. 
Uh, anyway, we're talking about postal postage and stamp price increases going from 66 to 68 cents. I could care less. Now, texters disagree for a lot of different reasons. One is a, a business reason. What, like, if your industry depends on, I'm paraphrasing, if your industry depends on a mailing things, obviously the cost goes up and your business cost goes up. You got to pass on the consumers. I get all that. Sort of the reality of doing business, right? And I would argue that mainly the consumers are paying for it, not you, but we can have that conversation a different day. Um, I said the idea that, you know, I don't understand in a, in a state and a country full of coupon clippers, always looking for deals, why people don't buy more forever stamps. It, it, it holds the price. If you buy a pack of them, you could, somebody says they've, they bought a pack eight years ago, they're still using them. And the only, this is funny because the only thing, I think this is the only thing that we mail anymore. Those Menard rebates, you know, you got to mail them in. Still have to physically mail them in with your copy of your, or the bottom of your receipt. That's something that's still hanging on, right? And great idea by Menards. They, they've captured that, uh, that market. All right. So from the text line, the WTMG talking text line, uh, agree about paper mail, but daily package delivery is essential. I separate the two. I get packages, people get medications, all that stuff. Uh, Amazon, UPS, FedEx depend on the Postal Service to make final deliveries to rural areas. I get it. I'm not a basher of the Postal Service. There's a lot of great men and women who work for the Postal Service. I'm trying to make their life easier. I'm not advocating for less people working there. I'm saying let's refine, let's use technology, let's be smarter. For someone like me, and probably a lot of you, I don't get a lot of meaningful mail. I'm good with once a week. We should be able to to check that box once a week, maybe Friday, maybe Saturday, all my mail, mostly junk, bundled up, stuck in my mailbox, and then I can process it in about two minutes. Again, it's a waste of technology. It's a waste of gas. It's a waste of time and certainly a waste of printing and paper to keep sending this stuff out that most of us aren't reading. Yet we continue to support this system. Now, I have a lot of intelligent conversation that disagrees. I want to read it. Please don't encourage people not to use mail service. Hundreds of thousands of people depend on the United States Postal Service for a paycheck. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you're talking about government payments, aren't those all direct deposit now? Are people still getting physical checks? I don't think so. I can remember when I took over as mayor in Oak Creek, we had one employee that was still demanding Surprise, surprise, an elected official. A paper check, we said, no, not doing this. Not one check for one person. And that stopped immediately. Uh, Steve from the 262. Believe it or not, some court systems still don't accept electronic signatures on documents. Arizona, for instance. We have to mail paper copies for signatures. Again, not advocating for no mail. Smart mail. Uh, let's see. Another, Another person chastising me for saying I could care less when it's I couldn't care less. I'm going to learn that lesson eventually, probably when I'm done with radio. Uh, from the 414, an important point. When you give me Internet free for seniors, I'll pay online. Okay. See, I'm somebody that said, has said for a long time, basic Internet should be available for everybody. All the technology we have, why are we still doing this stuff where we're, we're paying for our own Internet? It's nuts. I go to Starbucks. Internet's free. I go to a bank, generally Internet's free. I go to any location anymore, Internet's free. you got to buy a phone or a device, but come on. 
Uh, this is from Stephen Northlake. I realize I'm probably in the minority regarding caring about the postal increase, but it's my reality and will affect my livelihood. I hear you. I'm not advocating for no mail. Uh, let's see. Menards is the only thing I use stands for also. Yeah, it's a common thing. Those, those little, uh, little instant rebates from your purchases. Ralph wants to clarify from Glendale. Thanks for calling, Ralph. Good morning. Hi, Steve. How you doing? Uh, long-time listener. Uh, often I call. Appreciate um, it. My, recently, about two years ago, my son was murdered, um, and uh, the uh, the suspect was caught and and convicted, and he is uh, currently uh, paying um, me a settlement through his work wow. at, uh, in the prison. Um, but I just wanted to let you know that the state of Wisconsin is still sending me a paper check for that uh, monthly amount that uh, he's paying me for. Let me ask, and sorry to hear about your son. That's obviously tragic news. So was it an option that you get paper checks? Or is that just what they do? I, I did not get an, an, uh, a call or a letter that said that there was an option. There might be an option. I, I did not research it. Hmm. Um, I just went with, with what they're sending me. All right. Thanks for the call, Ralph. And again, I'm sorry to hear about your son. That, that's horrible. Um, I, I guess I'm just surprised that most checks, I would think, have to be electronic now. Direct deposits. I mean, you're, is the, I guess the IRS, are they still mailing out paper checks for rebates or refunds rather? That seems nuts to me. Again, I'm not advocating for, uh, people are like really on the, why do you hate, <laughs> I don't hate the post office. I love my, my local mail carrier. He's always there for me. Always loves the chat, listens to the show. Love it. Uh, let's see, from the 414, that person was talking about the paychecks, meaning the people working for the United States Postal Service, not the Postal Service delivering paychecks. All right. Uh, text about a paycheck was for employees who work at the U- U.S. Post Office. If there's less mail to deliver. I don't, I don't agree with that. There are ways to expand your business beyond just the regular old mail. I've said for a long time, there's opportunities within the package side of things, and I know they've done a lot of this, to, to compete with the, the Amazons and others. So if you have more time and employees and energy to compete in that side of the business, which is really important given all the packages we get now, why wouldn't you just use that opportunity to streamline your business in one area and go forward in the, in the next? Simple things. Being open and embracing change versus just being status quo. This is always the way it's always worked, which is like the most frustrating thing ever. Uh, nothing is free. We all pay for it. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Um, postage. I still mail birthday cards, Valentine's Day cards, Christmas cards. I'm still old fashioned and get bills mailed to me and mail out checks. Don't trust online bill paying. That's just me. Maybe, maybe it'll change someday. I have done what bills I have online for years. I've never had an issue. And I, people always ask me about this. And we're going to, we're going to take a break and we've got people want to chat on the phone as well. If you're smart about how you conduct yourself online, you generally don't have problems. If you get lazy, if you don't change your passwords, if you have an easy password, and, and a lot of other reasons related to technology, you're going to be scammed. We all got to be smarter. I'm going to take a break. We're talking about the postage increase, but really a lot more than that. Again, not advocating for the destruction of the Postal Service, 
big fan. I just want them to be embracing technology, moving forward, doing things differently so that we don't have to sweat out every year a two-cent increase for the price of a first-class stamp. Make sense? 855-616-1620. More after this. Oh, I've struck a nerve. Not a post office hater. Don't put me in that camp. I love the post office. Just think they can do things differently and change the way we interact with them. That's what I'm saying. All right. Phone call. We got lots of texts. Uh, well, text line uh, 262 says, my pension check is still a paper check in the mail. That's crazy. Direct deposit, please. And a lot of people saying they don't trust Internet banking. I've done it for years. It works fantastically. I use Educators Credit Union. Their, their online platform is amazing. Streamlined, safe, easy to use, always up to date. And that's an unsolicited ad for educators. That's just my bank. And a lot of the other ones, your bank, probably just as good. Phone lines, Mike from Ozaki County. Hey, Mike. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Say, uh, years ago when your station carried the Clark Howard show, yes. yeah. he offered a suggestion of getting your mail every other day, mm-hmm. which you would get it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or you'd get it Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And wouldn't wouldn't that cut delivery uh, uh, the, the, the Delivery time, yeah, be more efficient. Yeah, yeah, uh, in half. Mm-hmm. Not not to uh, take away jobs, but uh, they could concentrate on on today's routes and then concentrate on tomorrow's routes. Yeah, that's why Clark Howard was so good. Thanks for the call, Mike. Um, yeah, we all have to get out of this mindset. I, I've struggled with this in some areas and, and some not so much. That because we always did it that way, that's the way we have to do it. That's the dumbest answer you could give somebody. It shows that you're inflexible, unwilling to ever change just because you like it. Even when it may cost more, be less efficient, slow things down, create a lot of redundancies. That's the problem with all of that. Like private sectors done years ago, efficiency matters. It needs to matter on the public side. Why do I say that, Steve? Have you seen our exploding national deficits? One of the reasons that number keeps going up, what is it, $34 trillion now? Is because we are not efficient in what we do as a government. We have to have, all of us, the same expectations we have for the private sector. Customer's always right, right? Well, that works for the public sector stuff, too. If the government's doing things that are inefficient, we should fix those. Now... The qualifier is this. We keep putting people in who are more interested in politics than actually doing work. That's a bigger problem, and that's why we're not efficient. So once we fix that first problem, maybe we can address the second. little speech there, but an important one. Mark from Sheboygan. Hey, Mark. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good morning. I don't have a problem, like your last caller said, every other day for mail delivery. That would be great. But my problem was a lot of the electronic uh, transactions, electronic, anything you do is if you have a problem, there's nobody to contact, nobody competent to contact to help you through this problem. And I won't go into the long story, but I just had a situation where I talked to four or five different people trying to get a problem solved, and I got four or five different answers. (laughs) Some contradicted the other one. So electronics is great. I use it quite often. 
But my biggest fear, is, like I just said, is there's you can't get a hold of competent people to help you through the problem. Let me ask you this, Mark, because I've also been frustrated. I, I've, I had a war against Internet service providers for like two years on this show. And finally, I just said I had enough, and I just went to uh, YouTube TV and, and never looked back, and much cheaper and, and, and better, f- for that matter. So mm-hmm. is this a customer service problem or a technology problem? I would argue that what you're talking about is customer service. We can fix that if companies well, I, are willing I, no, to do I agree. it. It's cu- I agree it's customer service, yeah. but they should be tra- they're working for the technology company, so they should be trained for to help with the technology. Yeah, don't disagree. Thanks for the call, Mark. Yeah, certainly. If we're going to do this and... To be honest, we're going to do this. If there's somebody getting a paper check, that's not going to exist. I'm surprised it still does exist, but that's not going to exist much longer. If you're still paying bills, I don't even have a checkbook anymore. I don't have a, I can't write checks. I don't need to. I never write checks. I find other ways to do it, whether that's, uh, you know, one of the electronic fashion, Venmo, PayPal, if I have to, or I just do it, a transaction through my bank. That's the reality that we're all going to be facing. I understand there. Somebody said that I don't, I don't even have a bank account. How is that even possible? How do you not have a bank account? I guess I, I don't get how that works. Richard from Illinois. Hey, Richard. Hey, Steve. Well, you're, you're a lot more technical savvy than I am because I'm a dinosaur and I'm here to write checks <laughs> for all my bills until the day I die. That's okay. It's uh, what you do. Mind. And, and I don't, I don't, well, I don't trust credit card companies, utilities for auto pay and crap like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not tech savvy to pay online. But as far as the stamp prices go up, I don't, I don't mind because if they go up two cents every year, every other year, that's how the people get their raises. You want when your next contract's up, you want to make more money than you did this last one. They want to make more money next year too. And contrary to what most people believe. The post office doesn't run on tax dollars. It's self-sufficient, so the price of stamps is what covers that. Yeah, it's sort of a standalone. I have no problem. With that. I don't. I don't disagree with you because everyone loves to make as much money as possible. But unfortunately, ever, not everyone. A lot of people don't like when other people make more more money, and that co- they think that costs them. That's the reality of the people uh, in this country. And and a downside for the employees of the postal service if the thing of delivery every day every other day even though clark howard is a very smart man that would take money out of their pockets because they would not be working as many hours as they are yeah i i disagree on that because i think i want them to be utilized in package delivery which is a growing part of the usps i think there can be other things they do i just don't thanks thanks for the call richard i don't i don't want them to spend all their time delivering junk mail to me now somebody also said and i, I got a break coming here somebody also said well, what are they, they're supposed to store your mail. It should be an option for me. Once a week, mail it, come to my house. I don't need it every day. Now, maybe my wife disagrees. I have never asked her about this. I don't need to go to the mailbox every day because 99 times out of 100, there's nothing in that mailbox that I need. All right, we're going to take a break. Ken's uh, on the line from Rubicon. We'll get him in. Lots of texts on this. So often those, those little things, those little conversations that get people fired up. I love the passion on this Monday. I need that. Hopefully you do, do too. Postage is up. In some cases, anger is up as well, but not in everybody. Some people are saying, hey, this is a thoughtful conversation. I appreciate that. Trust me. Again, not advocating. Somebody says, why do people, because people are arguing with me about this. I'm not, I love the postal service. I love my mail carriers. They're awesome people. They engage with me. They're friendly. They're almost like clockwork in how they deliver the mail. And I'm a, a, a you know a suburban location with the drive-up mailbox. They're, they're the best. 
So there's no problem there. I'm not advocating for job reductions, uh, workload changes. It's just going to be different work. And I see an opportunity with package delivery that even USPS sees. That's why they have weekend delivery, Sunday delivery now of packages sometimes with USPS. It's not a bad thing. Ken from Rubicon joins us on the phone line. Hey, Ken, happy Monday. Good morning. Yeah, I I, I just have one thing to say. Sure. And that is I was uh, I was doing Internet banking for 10 years successfully on my iPad. But my bank went through this new system, and so the iPad is just, you know, I'm out here in the county, so I don't get any fast service of any kind, hmm. whether it be iPad or, or, or computer. And so it, now I got to move away. I'm I'm back in the old system of mailing things because the internet banking service of my bank, when they went to a new system, uh, crapped out because of the speed considerations. But Interesting. Anyhow, yeah, that that's, suppose, that is a problem with rural rural um, folks that they they don't have the internet speed to sometimes make this all work. That's why you can't get rid of postal service. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Ken. I appreciate it. Um, Look, I'm not cold-hearted. Again, there are people that say we should just get rid of most mail. I'm not that person because I know that my wife, Kathy, loves sending out cards to all of our son-in-laws, our daughters, our grandkids, Christmas cards. We still do that. I would never discourage that. And let's be honest, stamps, the real kind, are part of the revenue that drives the success of USPS. I would never say that. Uh, post office in Janesville with 65,000 population, only one full-time office understaffed off in long lines. So many apps for FedEx and UPS. The amazing thing about that question and that problem is that there was a time when USPS jobs were in high demand. That is not the case anymore. And that, you know, that, that brings in into the conversation, certainly workforce expectations, desire of some people to do a hard day's work. Kind of a different part of the problem, but those folks are hardworking, trust me. They also have to put up with all of us, giving them nonsense every time we want to mail something somewhere. We don't have the, the package prepared properly. The address isn't right, blah, blah, blah. We want, Some people want to argue, which I think is crazy. Um, Texture says, thanks for sharing your experiences online banking this topic. Uh, yeah, huge fan. I use educators. You use what you use. It works so well. What I love about it, I see. I make a charge. Let's say I'm, I'm at the Third Street Market Hall having lunch. I had lunch here Friday. That charge shows up immediately on my bank account through all the electronic ways that that happens. And you know, Texture said I'm 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 more on, into technology than than they were. I'm not even remotely close to being up as far as like a Martin Moore who joins me on on some Tuesdays. He's really up to date on technology. I just try to get out of the mindset that I have to do everything the same way I always did. I didn't like it when I was a mayor. I don't like it when I'm a private citizen. Uh, let's see. The problem with paying your bills online, everything they, they want to have a direct date that you're going to have it taken out of your check. Most of us don't have the luxury of having a couple thousand dollars in our account. They have it taken out on a specific day. Most of us live paycheck to paycheck, which is sad. I understand that. My advice is when you get the funds, then you pay your bills. That's about the only way I could make sense out of that. Uh, let's see, from the 262, note that Social Security has a required direct deposit for decades now. That's what I thought. 
You're not receiving paper checks. I'm not sure that, and somebody somebody who's gotten a rebate, I, I have, I've paid taxes in April for, I don't know how many, at least 20 years. If you're getting a refund, if you're getting a refund, is that coming back in a paper check? I don't think so. That would be shocking to me. But somebody who, who's actually getting a refund, um, maybe they can uh, let me know. Uh, Mike from Crystal Lake. Hey, Mike from Crystal Lake. Good to hear from you. I do I do get a lot of junk mail every day. If deliveries were made every other day or once a week, I'd need a bigger mailbox. <laughs> That's a real-life problem. Didn't think about that. I, we actually upgraded our mailbox two years ago. So, yeah, we went from a smaller one to a little bit larger one. But you know what? It's not because of the mail that's important. It's it's the junk mail. To be honest, come election, we're all going to learn this lesson this year. It's election year, 2024. You are not going to believe how much of your mail is going to be junk mail. And I term any political mailer as junk. You may disagree. I think I'm in the uh, majority. That's junk mail. Paying a lot of money to have something that literally I'm going to take and throw away as soon as I get into my garage, I'm going to hit the step thing on or the thing on my mailbox is going to pop open. Not my mailbox, my garbage can. And I'm going to throw it in there. Barely gets a look in the driveway. That's the living real life definition of junk mail. I'd like to see less. And maybe, just maybe, the idea that we should be embracing is let's let the USPS be even more efficient by getting rid of everyday mail. Or at least giving people the option, maybe this exists now, I'll have to check my online USPS account. If I can say, look, I don't want mail once a week, then my wife would probably disagree with me on that. That's just a thought. All right, we'll take a break here. Lots more show to do in 20 minutes before Tracy Johnson takes over. All right, I saw this story. Thanks for all the conversation on the USPS and the uh, the rise of the cost of a uh, first-class stamp, 66 to 68, if you were missed the beginning of it. I saw this story, and I go, this is a classic example of what I've been talking about. What am I talking about? Uh, I got this from Fox News. Uh, and it, the headline is basically tells the story. North Carolina school ditches bathroom mirrors to prevent students from recording TikTok videos during class. Are you serious? Is this not a perfect representation of the insanity that's happening in schools now? They're going to remove the bathroom mirrors. The school, if you're interested, is a North Carolina middle school. I think the name of it is Alamance Burlington School System. I'm not sure. that. Yeah, Southern Alamance Middle School in Graham, North Carolina. It was so bad that kids were missing significant amounts of class time to go to the bathroom and make TikTok videos. They said, on average... Students use the restroom between three to four times a day, but that frequency has steadily increased to be between seven, eight, and nine times a day. Since removing the, the mirrors, one of their spokespersons said the school has not seen, has seen, rather, not as many visits to the bathroom, not staying as long, and students are held accountable, and when there's accountability, you see a great difference. Are you serious? How about this? I don't know, maybe restricting some of the bathroom visits to maybe back to the three and four versus eight and nine. That would have been where I would have started. I don't know, maybe some supervision in or around the bathroom, hallway supervision, which used to be a thing, by the way. Now, when I relate my high school experience, I'm talking 70s. It's a, it's a while ago. 
But you didn't walk down that hallway and do anything that was out of line. Because there was a dude, generally dudes, who were probably in their 40s and 50s, that if you did anything out of line, they would correct that behavior instantaneously. And if you dared to do things in a bathroom, and if you didn't get away with it, which some kids did, trust me, you're going to pay a penalty, which usually meant a detention, which I guess doesn't even happen anymore. Apparently parents thought that went too far. When you start taking down bathroom mirrors because you can't control a TikTok problem, you've got bigger problems. Are you serious, South Carolina? North Carolina. North Carolina. Uh, some more comments from the school. We're trying to educate students. Like, we all have cell phones now. We have to learn to use them. We have to learn when to put them down. The school has also implemented something called Smart Pass, a digital hall pass system which allow, uh, allows students to be tracked checking in and out of class. It's intended to enable staff to better track where students are at all times for safety and accountability reasons. We strive to limit distractions so students can focus on learning. This is an adjustment. We believe these changes will foster a better learning environment by minimizing disruptions. You took out the mirrors from the bathroom. It's like the most misguided. I get that it probably works, but you couldn't think of a better way. You couldn't find another solution, little supervision, little move it along, Sonny. Just because you can't monitor the bathroom itself for a lot of obvious reasons, you can send a monitor in there every once in a while and say, would you please stop kissing the mirror and filming it on TikTok? That's not out of line, by the way. You know, for all those school districts who say, oh, because I know it's going to happen next, because I get letters and emails about this. You're asking us to hire employees to supervise kids, and we don't have money for that. You certainly have money for field turf stadiums and extra softball fields and extra baseball fields and the latest, greatest when it comes to school infrastructure. You found a lot of money for that. And then on top of that, which is the... Frustrating thing, Vince Vitrano has been talking about this for about a month on his show, Wisconsin Morning News. You're all going to ask us for an operational referendum because you have no money now to pay the basic cost of education, which is the real thing that we actually are supposed to be paying our taxes for, not all the other stuff that you decided you absolutely had to have. Texture makes a great point. It's always about this. You don't need a phone in school. Simple as that. You don't need a phone in school. Who says you need a phone in school? Nobody that actually teaches kids says that. You especially don't need a phone in the bathroom. I can imagine a scenario. If you're filming TikTok videos in the bathrooms, let's just say this this is a bigger than a North Carolina problem, which it probably is. You do realize that you are exposing young people unintentionally or not, to being recorded in a bathroom because you don't monitor the bathrooms. Mirrors or not, they're still going to record videos in there. That makes no sense. Remove the phones, as the texter said. Remove the phones from the equation. A lot of your problems are are solved. Who's going to be brave enough to do that, by the way? What school district, and I know there's some, because I've talked about them before. What school district is going to be brave enough to say, you know what, we're done with this experiment? No. As the texter says, cut down on the uh, the number of times you go into the bathroom. You don't need to go to the bathroom every hour. 
and ban student cell phones. Is it tough love? Sure is. But when you eliminated supervision in the hallways, when you eliminated detentions or punishment, actual punishment, and decided to make everything about, I don't know, race, gender, all of those things are important. They're not the only part of the equation. But you don't hear that anymore. It's about silliness like this. That's why I called it out. Remove the problem, not the bathroom mirrors. Quick break. More of WTMJ now after this. Hey, it's Christmas in January at the Mineshaft Restaurant in Hartford. WTMJ's John Merck here. Here, I love the fun at the Mineshaft. It's been the area's most affordable, family-friendly restaurant for over 46 years. And it's still decked out with thousands of holiday lights and Christmas characters. It will lift your spirits. Your kids are going to love it. Big breakfast start at just seven ninety nine, and Mondays are family pizza day. Enjoy a huge eighteen inch pizza for just fourteen ninety nine. Easily feeds a family of four. Tuesday, check this out: the Mexican buffet is all you can eat under ten bucks. Desserts are always buy one get one free, and I love that. Your kids and grandkids can safely play in that world class game room, quietly tucked away from the dining area while you finish up your meal. Maybe have an after dinner drink. Experience the Wisconsin Mine Shaft. It's the amazing Mine Shaft restaurant and the Tuesday all you can eat Mexican buffet under ten bucks. No reservations needed. Just walk on in. It's Christmas in January at the super affordable Mine Shaft in beautiful downtown Hartford and in Oshkosh. Hey, this is WTMJ Steve's Committee for Adair. Floors and Remodeling on South 27th Street in Franklin. I've been waiting, dying to talk about this story. So I had Rob from Adair come over to our house and show to my 20-year-old Adair floor that still looks fantastic upstairs. But we had a project downstairs, down the basement steps, landing area, dingy old linoleum or a linoleum-type product, looked horrible, been there for 20-some years. Their design team answered our questions, helped with all of our flooring and remodeling questions, and delivered a gorgeous new floor which I'm going to share a video with you in the next week or so, and I'll show you the before and after. It's absolutely transformational. So whether you're talking about your home or business, it's family-owned and operated right in Franklin, right down South 27th Street. You can't miss it. Stop in and tell them Steve's Graffiti Central. We've already sent customers over there. Or visit them online at adairfloors.com. Sun, 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 fun, fun, fun. Sun, 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 every kind of boat under the sun. That boat show music is back, and so is Wisconsin's largest boat show. Everything from family runabouts, ski and surf boats, fishing boats, luxury pontoons, and more Great Lakes cruisers and motor yachts. We have the boats. Shop for skis, boards, and tubes at the Tubers Truck Load Sale. Check MilwaukeeBoatShow.com, January 19th through 28th, State Fair Park. Get your rock-solid guaranteed pre-approval to buy at accunet.com. Shop the January New Year's sale on better quality furniture and mattresses at Ken Michaels Furniture. Chronic pain can be very bossy. What do I mean? It tells you what you can or can't do. Sometimes it even has the audacity to keep you from working. I missed almost three weeks of work, and I was no longer able to play tennis. The pain was really debilitating sometimes. I missed Thanksgivings. Abby was ready to put the bossy bad back in her past. 
And that's when she discovered QC Kinetics and their non-surgical treatments for pain. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in advanced regenerative medicine with tens of thousands of satisfied patients, people who have experienced real lasting relief without drugs and without surgery. It has just been the most life-changing, amazing experience. Not only life-changing, but career-saving. I get to continue to do the career that I love. I'm playing tennis again. Stop letting that joint pain boss you around. Start with a free consultation at QC Kinetics. Call QC Kinetics, 414-285-3474. That's 414-285-3474. 414-285-3474. It's WTMJ Now. Smoking in the boys' room. Smoking in the boys' room. That used to be the, the whole thing, smoking. Now it's the recording, like, three-minute TikTok videos. Which is insane to me, anyway. I'm not on TikTok. My friend uh, Kristen Bryce says, you know, they're not 10 seconds anymore. They're like a minute long. You know, whatever. I just, I don't see the need. And, again, I'm not I'm not trying to be the buzzkill guy, but the kids are there to learn, not record TikTok videos. When did that become a key part of the day? And if someone's taking nine bathroom breaks, come on. Uh, from the 262, can you imagine the uproar if a teacher tells a student they can't use the bathroom, though? When I was in school, the teacher would say, you should have went at break, now you can wait. <laughs> it was a much tougher time. Let's be honest. Uh, here's another one I was in. I could do a whole when I was a kid in school. I tried not to get cracked on the butt. <laughs> I went to Catholic school, grade school. Look, I love those nuns, but they were not nice. Now, they were not nice because we were... Pains in the, you know, in, in the butt that just got cracked. We, we were not nice. And we probably deserved a rap to the head with knuckles or, you know, a slap with a yardstick or a whatever. But, the, you know, discipline matters. My dad used to say, a little fear is a good thing. I agree with that. A little fear is a good thing. Fear punishment for bad behavior. We've eliminated that, and we, we end up with kids making TikTok videos in school. What's the point of this? So you can be a TikTok star. I get some people are influencers, are making money, all that. Chances are good, 99 out of 100, you're not going to be that person. You're not that imaginative. You should really focus on your education, which will actually get your high school diploma and get you a job. Enough said. I just want to introduce that topic because I thought it was fascinating. When we get to removing the mirrors in a middle school because kids are making too many TikTok videos, we've somewhere missed it along the line. Let's not let that be the start of it, uh, an age of insanity in trying to deal with problems that could be fixed with a little discipline. Make sense?